a company will be able to start with us as one person, two two people companies, and grow into a half a million square foot headquarters building without ever moving from the estate. Now, that's something that other clusters can't offer, but that's not right for every company. So there will be some businesses that want to just stay in their steady state or, or want a cheaper rent or want access to a different type of talent. And by having a holistic view across the whole of London, it's only going to benefit everybody who's working in this space across the city. You're listening to Building the Future, a podcast by Cadon Science Partner. And my name is Rudy van Beurden. This is a special mini-series about campus development. Because if there's one place where the future is being built, it's here. In this episode, we're going to talk about the future of innovation areas. And we're going international in this episode. It's a cross-border discussion with guests in the UK and here in the Netherlands. With me today are from the UK, Jingyu Wang, Associate Director, Canary Wharf Group, James Shepard, Managing Director, UK and Ireland of Cadan Science Partner. And from the Netherlands, as we've heard in the first episode as well, Paul Janssen, Vice President of IADP. A very good day to all of you. Thank you. Jingji, how are you doing there in London? You are Associate Director of Canary Wharf Group. Are you at that very location right now as well or a different part of London? Well, it's, uh, I'm at um, Oxford Circus, so literally the, the center of London. And very glad to report that, you know, the weather here is very nice and sunny. So, you know, we're all very happy. And as you, as you said, um, I, I work at Canary Wharf Group. So Canary Wharf, as a, a brief introduction, is a, is a major um, office and um, a residential areas in London. Um, and now I traveled about 20 minutes to, to central London. And just to show you the, the convenience after the, the recently opened um, Elizabeth's line after the Jubilee. So everything becomes even more closer in London. Yeah, what a nice presence he uh, handed over to the city, uh, as, as to say it like that. Um, Paul, also, you are back. You were here in the first episode, and in between, we've heard your colleague, Jacques. Um, in the very first episode, you spoke already of the mixture of functions of innovation districts. Well, I think uh, Canary Wharf is a full-blown example now, isn't it? I think if you uh, looked at uh, what is uh, the difference between, as you say, uh, science parks and campuses and innovation districts, then the main difference is, is of course, the housing function, which is added to innovation districts. Mm -hmm. And I think Kenny Wharf is a really nice example of that. So in that perspective, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, The central topic of this very episode is the future of innovation areas. And uh, James, also sitting in the UK, you are you are building the future. You joined Cadence about two years ago as being the managing director of Cadence for the UK and Ireland. And then you yeah. were all by yourself, but right now it's a whole team now, isn't it? Yeah, we've uh, we've seen a huge amount of growth here in the UK, not only in the the square foot that we, we manage, but also in the, the personnel that we have going from, as you say, really, myself two years ago to 13, 14 people now at uh, the Kadans office here in, in the UK. And we are building a very different type of product that's ever been provided here in the United Kingdom, which has historically been an incredibly strong location for science, but really lacked in the volume and quality of suitable real estate for these, these companies to grow, not only just in 
established innovation districts, but also in some some up and coming areas, be that science parks or increasingly in city centre locations as well. Mm -hmm. So that that sounds like there's plenty of work for the future. Um, within your role of being the manager director, do you also scout locations or how does that go? Maybe put first, where are you having, where are you holding locations at the moment with Cadence? Yeah, so so Cadence is a pan-UK investor. So we, we look across the entirety of the country. Um, the UK has a very established location called the Golden Triangle, which is London, Oxford and Cambridge. Uh, but actually, we see a huge amount of activity outside of that. So one of our first investments here in the UK was in, in Glasgow, in Scotland, where we bought a science park. And we've, we've recently just gone to planning for a new multi-let life science building in Glasgow as well to continue the, the growth of that ecosystem. And down the country, of course, we own assets in Cambridge, Oxford, London, uh, and interestingly, Stevenage as well, where recently GlaxoSmithKline announced the establishment of a new £900 million campus. Sadly, not with us, with one of our competitors, but still a fantastic oh, yeah. thumbs up for UK innovation and, and the UK um, science real estate market as well. Definitely. Nice. And anytime soon as well at Canary Wharf. And maybe before we dive in that, Paul, have you ever been there? Did you visit that part yeah. of London? Yeah, I've been there a few times. Yes. Yeah. yes. Well, the headquarters of Arab is in London. So when I travel there, I always uh, come by Canary Wharf. Yeah. yeah. So uh, some people go for a city break to London, but maybe, Jingji, anytime soon they go for a city break for Canary Wharf. Would this be possible in the future? As there is so much to do and to see and... It's vibrant. Absolutely. It? Um, I think Canary Wharf, um, we are actively developing and reinventing um, these days. And as you said, you know, we are, we're trying to create this um, a 15 minute city. So it started as a, um, office districts where uh, many of the, the uh, blue chip companies had their headquarters here. But over the time, you know, we have added different ingredients into this estate. So we have created 2,700 residential units with more 2,000 under construction. So starting to create um, a residential area as well. But going forward, you know, we are adding in retail, leisure, hospitalities, education. So, you know, we are hoping to create this 15-minute city that, I mean, it's no people come here to, to work, to live and to play and to visit as well. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Just to add to that, one of the fascinating stats I heard from one of Jinji's colleagues about Canary Wharf was the number of weekend visitors and how much post-COVID that has almost doubled the number of people who are coming to Canary Wharf on the weekend to, as Jinji said, and go shopping or undertake activities on the water or a whole host of things. And I think that's real testament to the work that Jinji and the team are doing at Canary is the number of people who are coming there outside of normal working hours is, is growing exponentially. Absolutely. And also, um, personally, I'm uh, I'm living in Canary Wharf area as well. So I'm all of one of the, the uh, weekend visitors to to, um, to the estates to enjoy in the, uh, the shopping malls and all the activities as well. Oh, wow. You're sitting here with double hats. You don't even have to leave the area. But maybe, Paul, you want to add on that? Yeah, yeah, sure. I think uh, uh, this really resonates also with what we see in other European cities that uh, the, the, uh, the, the header of innovation districts are being used for urban transformations uh, in order to, to to create really vibrant uh, parts of cities. And I think Canary Wharf is, is, is also another example of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Jingji, before I ask you how it is to live at that very location, it actually, the area started off as like an industrial docklands, if I'm correct, years and years ago. 
And just before the weekend, you gave me an online presentation and I was just blown away by the vast numbers that you were mentioning, as it is maybe over the years has been one of the biggest, largest development areas of Europe, isn't it? Can you just give us in yeah. a nutshell some yeah. figures? Yeah, of course. Um, you're spot on. I think um, Canary Wharf, in terms of the size, possibly is the, the one of the largest regeneration projects um, in Europe. Uh, the, the whole estate is about 128 acres in size, and it has gone through several phases of growth. So back in 1987, um, when the company first started developing uh, the area, it's literally uh, a piece of uh, sheet of paper. Um, it's just um, wasted uh, documents, so the company has to put in infrastructures and creating the critical mass and great quality of offices. So by 2014, we have um, um, developed nearly 17 million square feet of um, office, and that just make it one of the, the three major office districts in London. And then from 2014 onwards, we start to um, creating more mixed-use areas and create more residentials. And I think very um, glad to, to report that, you know, by today, I think um, the borough that Canary Wharf is located in Tower Hamlets is is now the, the fastest growing borough in UK with uh, in terms of the population growth. And I think going forwards, what we are actively working on is uh, to create these extraordinary environments and put in all the ingredients that everything that is really required to you know attract talents and serve the business so to put in retail leisure hospitalities that everything that you want to see within a city we want to create this 15 minutes um, city that you can find everything you want I mentioned before, one of those new residents is you, Jingyi. How is it to also live in the same area as as that you are so passionate about, actually, and so involved with also as well? Yeah, I actually lived in the area before I joined Canary Wolf Group. Ah. Um, and one of the driver, actually, to be honest, is when I joined the company, is you know, it's a very short commute for me, so I, I don't need to jump on any transportations, and I can literally just walk five, ten minutes. But what was really great about the area is you know, it's a private estate, it's very safe. And the company has got about 500 security teams looking after the whole district. So it has got the lowest um, crime rates across Europe. Um, also, you know, the, the district is constantly reinventing itself. Um, and I'm very glad that to be part of that project. So, you know, um, not only we're looking at how we can reinvent the office products, but also how we can transform the public realm, uh, how we can better use all the water. You mentioned earlier that you know we we are doing this very exciting project where we are trying to turn water from a liability to an asset for us, and how we can break the barrier, let all the the local residents and working population to better use the water, to introduce more um, water activities, open water swimming, and pedal boards. You can also hire a boat and you know wander around Canary Wharf. So it's a, it's a very exciting and fun place to be in. Excellent, excellent. James, it's an area where you just have to be at and you are there as well with Cardans. Can you please tell us what the plan is? You joined forces as well. What's happening? Yeah, so it was about uh, about 18 months ago, we, we sat down with the team at Canary Wharf and started to understand everything that, that Ginger's just been explaining about how they want to transform the estate over the next decade and it became immediately obvious that science was going to be a part of that transformation and 
as one of the kind of leading districts in Europe already, it, it made a lot of sense for us to, to start figuring out how we could, could come together and build a unique building. The conversation then sort of evolved into how can we build a building that will compete with anything in the US or anything globally. And one of the ways you compete with our, our friends in the US is size and scale. And what you have in Canary Wharf that is very difficult to come by in London is at North Quay, the area just to the north of the estate, you have a patch of land, and Gingy, correct me if I'm wrong, it's about three acres or so, where it's clear. And finding any land in London that you can build on is a challenge. Finding land in London that's clear and has an outline consent to build on is practically impossible. So we had a head start on our our sort of crazy idea to build this big multi-let life science building by the infrastructure and the works that Canary had already put in place. So we then kind of went on this journey about what are we going to do? And it became very apparent that, that Cadans and Canary shared a unique vision. Canary's mentality has always been build the best buildings. Everything else is, is then secondary. If you build the best buildings, the best people will come. Cadans's mentality is build the best technical buildings. You can do science in our buildings that you can't do elsewhere across the UK or, or even across Europe. So immediately that kind of technical and design uh, philosophy married up instantly. If you then combine the combination of Canary's ability to build big buildings, which is second to none in London, combined with Cadanza's ability to build laboratories, it was rapidly becoming, from a development perspective, a very, very unique partnership. But that was only ever kind of one part of it. I think the, you know, I get questions all the time about why are you building this in Canary Wharf? Why aren't you building it in Cambridge, Oxford, you know, in, in established locations? And I would argue that Canary Wharf is an established location in that you already have people like the Medicines and Health Regulatory Agency based in Canary Wharf. You've recently had Genomics England move to, move to Canary. There are four or five universities already based there. These are organisations that anchor, and, and Paul will be able to talk more about this, these are the types of organisations that anchor mm. innovation districts anywhere in the world. And Canary has had them for, in some cases, the past decade. So the ingredients are there. But, but the fascinating bit for me is, Ginji mentioned how Tower Hamlets as a borough was growing and growing considerably. If you actually go a step deeper into that and you look at the demographics of, of the men and women who live in Tower Hamlets, Actually, you find a disproportionate percentage of those men and women have either scientific degrees, are PhD students, are master students, postdoc students, and there's a very good reason for that. London is exceptionally expensive to live, and Tower Hamlets is one of the few boroughs in London where you can still get a nice house, you can still be connected to central London, and you can afford to live there. So what you've seen is all of the men and women who work in the other innovation districts across London a considerable number of them actually live in around Tower Hamlets, Newham, Hackney, the boroughs that surround our our site. Yes. So the talent is already there. Excellent. I see just Jingyi glowing with pride and also uh, Paul here across the table from me is glowing up. In this series, Paul, we're talking about campus development and you're, you have 20 years of expertise in the field. Uh, how are you reviewing this when you hear all this? 
Oh, yeah, it, 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 it fully makes sense. Uh, that, that's, I think, most important. But I was also wondering something, uh, James, you just mentioned uh, in terms of competition with the US, it, it's about size, it's about numbers. Uh, what we also see, for instance, in the Netherlands, that you know, we talk about innovative regions. Uh, a well-known example is the Brainport area in, uh, in and around Eindhoven, where you have under the umbrella of Brainport, you have seven different areas of innovation, like uh, ASML campus, high-tech campus, big campus, and they all have their own profile. Uh, I was wondering when you guys were talking about London, is that also something that is happening in London? Because of course, you have different innovation districts like the Knowledge Quarter, you've got here East, you've got now and the things that are going around on, on Canary Wharf, but also the Imperial College, Chiswick Park, all, the, all these different areas. You mentioned uh, Oxford, Cambridge. Uh, in, in terms of size and numbers, is that also something that there is a kind of an organization or a regional branding uh, at that level? Uh, or is it more at the district or park or site level? I, I was just wondering about it because I do see it happening in, in other regions uh, in Europe. I, I think there's two ways to answer that. I think there's one, what is happening today, and two, where I'd like to see the market going in the future. So what's happening today is exactly to your, to your latter point. It is individual clusters operating as individual clusters and very few conversations happening between them. And you know they're, they're in their infancy in many of these clusters, so they are fighting to establish their own identity and their own their own right. So, so as of today, as you mentioned, we have a number of these small clusters across London, and I use small a little bit guardedly, but mm -hmm. it will hopefully make sense in a second. So that's where kind of where we are today. London is a market, both on the commercial real estate side in life sciences, but also in terms of company numbers, venture capital, is not big enough to sustain lots of little small clusters. And we, as a city, will never be able to compete with Boston, San Francisco, Shanghai, any of these big global markets if we continue with this kind of quite small mentality of, no, no, this is my estate, this is, this is what we're doing. So what I'd like to see happen is a convening central force, and we have a group here in London called MedCity who are, who are trying to do that, to put London as a whole on the map with different typologies of real estate in these various different clusters because as we all know you know these types of businesses science and innovation companies need different support at different stages of their development and one of the things that that we can offer in canary wharf which is maybe not in place in the other clusters is scale you know a company will be able to start with us as one person two two people companies and grow into a half a million square foot headquarters building without ever moving from the estate. Now, that's something that other clusters can't offer, but that's not right for every company. So there will be some businesses that want to just stay in their steady state or, or want a cheaper rent or want access to a different type of talent. And by having a holistic view across the whole of London, it's only going to benefit everybody who's working in this space across the city. Yeah, excellent. And maybe before we go a little bit further in in into the building, into the project that you are building together, which is going to be an incubator. If we talk about that physical proximity, James, you said already why people are questioning why are you building this building here? And there are like over a hundred reasons that you can mention already. And if not, Jingyi can add another 200 reasons. So the proximity for other organizations is very much appreciated. In the meantime, 
we've learned over the last few years, the whole world population, in fact, right now we are together in a digital room as well. Some people can also collaborate um, in the cloud. Uh, does this have any effect on the, 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 the implementations that you're taking for the building? Does this affect the design or any sure. of that? Sure. So I think there's, there's the obvious element of proximity and, and proximity as a word has definitely changed its meaning since COVID and people are happier to work in uh, let's say more virtual environments as you say however uh, in science that's pretty difficult for for two reasons one the, the the sheer infrastructure and equipment that's required but also the creativity that's required and I, I don't know how you all feel but I, I certainly found over the past couple of years any meeting or forum that required any creativity didn't function quite as well as it does in person. I think these digital technologies are fantastic for maintaining relationships, less good for starting them. So that's the first bit. But I think that it, this new world we live in does have direct implications on how we design the buildings. And obviously, there's the, the simple, you know, moving from moving less offices and more laboratories and you know, simple things like that. But actually, if you dig deeper, it's about more power it's about more data it's about resilience of your data it's about mobile networks like 5g for example all of these things if you're going to be using all of these digital technologies you're going to be creating vast amounts of data in genomics etc etc you need a very 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 robust connection and there are very few places in london just purely because of the historic nature of the city where you have the type of resilience in data, but also power that you do in Canary Wharf. And um, maybe Jinji can, can talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think James, you're making a very good point because I think um, from two perspectives, one is on the hardware and around the infrastructure. And I think when the Canary Wharf was first most planned and designed, and I think the, the first generation of the, the company um, has really future-proofed designs. So in Canary Wharf, we have got this road box, which is like six meters deep, where you put all the ductworks and cables there. But they also you know, um, allowed for future growth. So future-proof for the next 50, 100 years. If there's new cables required, you know, we've got plenty of room to grow. And then, you know, um, res resilience is uh, a key for all our business tenants across the estates. And I understand uh, it's still a learning curve for me on the life science part, but I, I think it is also very important for the for our science um, business going forward is that, you know, provide that power, resilience and transformations. So... This is at the heart of our designs. And on the software part, you, you talk about, you know, how the virtual work environments, and we, we see that kind of transition over the past uh, years, even before um, COVID started. And what, the kind of the feedbacks we got from our existing kind of business tenants across the estate is that, which James talked there, it was exactly right, is it is about... Um, you know, with Zoom and Teams that, that help to maintain that working relationship. But it's very hard to, you know, to, to start that kind of bonding between employees, uh, between the business and how you create that kind of sense of communities. And that's why I've, part of the, the job that we are doing now is creating a, a more extraordinary environment that to, to attract people coming back and the wider public realms where people can bond with each other, uh, get inspired. And for, you know, the young graduates who first come to a business to learn from um, other peoples 
Yeah, I, I very much agree with this. Uh, and then to, to come back to your question, uh, Rudy, uh, at Aerop we've also done, done some research on uh, workplace making and why do people still come back to the office? And I think especially for uh, areas of innovation or innovation ecosystems, it's much more important to really meet each other in person. Now, of course, we can all do uh, do a lot of things uh, digitally, but uh, especially for this type of work, it's really important to also meet each other, look each other in the eyes. And uh, that cooperation, well, you can't do that very uh, effectively uh, uh, behind the screen. Yeah. So on top of what we've learned in previous episode, Paul, as well, that we it's not at all about just stacking stones anymore to just put it very directly. It is about an ecosystem, about enhancing the collaboration. But now what we also learn is taking into consideration the demands, the, the desires of new employees, existing employees, co-workers that have to be together yeah. physically and then maybe have special dedicated places in which they can just link people online that they can uh, now you, you, join right. forces. Uh, what we've learned the last 20 years uh, is that we see that there's a shift in focus from, from the, the stones, from the hardware towards more the software. I like the socio-economic uh, component and the programming on it and how to uh, how the governance uh, uh, does look like around that. Uh, and of course, the last couple of years, we have learned also what are the new, uh, let's say, guiding principles for the hardware because they also change over time. Yeah. And I think that's what, uh, that was what we just were talking about. Yeah, definitely. James, just briefly before we already roll towards uh, the final bit of this very episode, can you just briefly tell us a little bit about this new incubator building that is going to be developed anytime soon? Sure. So London is starting at the kind of the top of the funnel. London has a fantastic university resource which are creating more and more businesses uh, every year if you look back at the statistics and one of the challenges london has faced is that there hasn't ever been that incubator style environment for laboratory based businesses in, in london there are only three incubators in london all of which have been occupied at 100 percent for the last five years so one of the early things that we set out to do at canary wharf was was to change that because at the moment, these businesses leave London. And, and as we all know, once they leave a city, it's very rare that they come back. So by providing this, this about 40,000 square feet of incubator space where we'll be able to deliver laboratories as small as 200 square feet on very flexible license agreements where companies can come in, spend a year with us, utilize the resources that, that Canary Wharf and Kadans have, grow their businesses, and then hopefully move on. And by providing the next big building, we'll give them space. So our incubator is partially there to correct a market imbalance where there's not been enough space provided, but it's also there to help train, help develop and help grow this next generation of companies. They're going to be raising money and providing the uh, the square foot that we need to, to occupy our, our considerably larger building, which is coming online over the next few years. Excellent. Excellent. And Jingyi, this just sounds like a, a an ever evolving uh, story most definitely the incubator will come and will be developed but what's in store for the future for canary wharf in general 
I think I think this whole innovation sector is uh, is going to be the future of Canary Wharf, and um, and we want to kind of leverage our existing resources across the estate and create some synergies. So you know, across the estates, we have got many uh, existing investment banks, professional services, uh, lawyers. I think they are all very excited to see that we are stepping into this um, life science and innovation sectors with clans, and they are um, they all want to be part of that ecosystems and help nurture these next generation of um, business. Um, and also, I think on back of that, you know, we, we want to attract more talents onto the estates and create um, the best hardware and software to to um, serve them. So we're all very excited. You know, this is definitely the, the next chapter for Canary Wharf. Excellent. And the, the very next time that I will be visiting London, I can most definitely go supping on the water, isn't it? Absolutely. We can go uh, paddleboarding together. Then we, awesome. we have a boat trip as well. <laughs> cool. Well, Paul, we, we're nearly reaching the end. What are some lessons learned? What can we take away from this episode and also from this mini-series? Yeah, I think perhaps key takeaway of this episode is uh, that it's really about managing that quadruple helix play. And that's something that you do together. And I think it, it's a, a beautiful example of what James also explained is that Cadence, as a, uh, from, from their basics and real estate developer and investor, understands that. Uh, and, and they are investing also in that, let's say, ecosystem management and knowing that that's really important for, for this typical uh, asset class of, of real estate. Uh, and I think that this is an, another great example of that. Yeah. And uh, as you mentioned, Quadruple Helix that I spoke about with your colleagues, Jacques, as well, is that you have to be open for these other organizations, whether it be residentials, whether it be incoming students, or in this case, also new companies that need such an incubator space and also their clients or their test grounds. Yeah, and yeah. and, and uh, it's not easy. Uh, no. Uh, it's not a typical real estate development or an urban transformation. Uh, the developing successful areas of innovation is quite a difficult task because you should pay attention to all the different aspects of, of these kind of areas. Definitely. And uh, to be honest, and also the guys also across the channel, like uh, as a newbie in this field, and I really had to read a lot and uh, research it myself, I learned a lot regarding what the what an innovation district is on its own. This is a beautiful example. It's not stacking the stones. It's also working on ecosystem management, but also combining hardware, software, involving the people and make pleasant areas. And um, yeah, James, what I learned from you as well is that the, the, the term of proximity has actually changed and evolved as well, how people regard that and that they also appreciate very high standards resources and spaces where they can team up and meet up. Are there any some lessons that you are still willing to share with listeners who are interested in campus development? I think the, the one parting bit I would say is that, yes, we work in real estate, which is bricks and mortar, but, but fundamentally this is a people business. And knowing and understanding the, the men and women who are going to be working in your buildings or your innovation districts or your campuses is more important than anything you can design because it directly feeds back into everything you do, be that ecosystem management, be that architectural. So get to know the people who are going to occupy your space, get to know what makes them tick. And, and ultimately, that's the way that you can help make these systems and these, these spaces thrive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, excellent. 
And Jingji, for the listener and, and maybe for the record as well, what's the name of the new to be developed building again? So the campus of this called Northkeeper, uh, we're working quite closely with Cadence on the branding and the marketing. So, you know, hopefully we'll uh, come back to you and update you once we got um, a new name to to reveal um, for, for this building and development. It's still in the pipeline. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll arrive anytime soon. Uh, gentlemen across the channel, uh, very much thanks for the collaboration on this very episode. You do a tremendous load of work, it seems, um, and all the success with the developments, most obviously uh, in Canary Wharf. And Paul, this is just very inspirational now, isn't it? As a true example for what our areas of innovations have in store for us across Western Europe. Yeah, sure. I'm very excited and looking forward to be part of it. Good to know that Cadence is working together and is investing heavily in all these various locations. James also in the UK and in Ireland, as well as in the rest of Western Europe. Thanks one more uh, for joining me in this episode. And dear listener, you've been listening to a special mini-series about campus development, part of Building the Future a podcast by Kadon Science Partner, and thanks to our guests, Jingyi Wang, Associate Director, Canary Wharf Group, James Shepard, Managing Director, UK and Ireland of Kadon Science Partner, and also Paul Janssen, Vice President of IADP, and also working for Arab. Thank you very much. If you want to find out more about this podcast or our guests, go to cadans.com slash podcast. Here you'll also learn more about Cadans Science Partner and how it develops campuses throughout Europe, helping them to work on sustainable solutions for the future. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite app so you won't miss our upcoming episodes. Thanks for listening. My name is Rudy van Beurden.